The word of the Lord comes to us this morning from Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and again, if you're using the Bibles and the benches, you can find this passage on page 1597. Luke chapter 5, the first 11 verses. So we make our way through this gospel. This is the Holy Word of God. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, uh, with people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. So far, the reading of God's holy word. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ and friends, some people get it and some people don't. It's simple, but it's counterintuitive. It's not what you might first think of or what you might not first expect. Some people get it and some people don't get it. Uh, The people out in the world don't get it. And there are certainly very religious people in the church who don't get it either. Some people get it and some people don't. In this story, Simon gets it. This is our first understanding that Simon gets it. Let's find out what he got. Simon is a rugged, hard-working, frustrated, and tired fisherman. He has worked like he always does because he has to all night and into the early hours of the morning. If he doesn't catch fish, 
he doesn't eat. If he doesn't catch fish, his family doesn't eat. If he doesn't catch fish, he can't pay the oppressive tax collectors that come from his own people. They will be on his back. If he doesn't catch fish, he has to go home without any sleep and find some odd jobs during the day to put food on his table and then go back at night and start it all over again. And he has been working like a dog for years. And you know, he was not born yesterday either. Simon knew all of the conditions of the lake. If there were any fish to be caught that night and on early into the morning, he would have found them. He knew how to read the conditions of the lake. He was a professional fisherman. And he had cast his best commercial grade nets down into the deep of this lake overnight and on into the morning, and there were no fish uh, to be caught that night. And so he did uh, plan to go home after washing his nets, maybe find some work and come back the next day uh, with what kind of hope, we don't know, uh, that there would be fish for him in his next catch. Uh, so Simon is sitting here, and he's washing his nets, which have yielded him nothing. And there is a rabbi that is preaching, as it so happens, uh, to a large crowd right nearby where he is washing his nets. Now, the last time we had seen this rabbi Jesus, remember, the word was getting out about him around these parts, that he was an extraordinary teacher. He was preaching and teaching the Scripture of God in the Old Testament very powerfully in a way that people had never heard before. When he said something, not only was it true, but he could explain it clearly in a way that it resonated with you so that he knew he you knew when you heard him that he was talking about you. It was as if you were the only one there and it was the first time ever that somebody had opened the Scriptures this clearly to you. This was the kind of teaching that Jesus was known for. This is why crowds were coming. And yes, Simon had probably heard about him. And Jesus was also known, okay, not only for his teaching, he was also known for his miraculous works, his healings. People were coming to Jesus with all kinds of diseases and he was healing them. Remember, not like the healing that we see on television, uh, so-called healing today, and not even the kind of healing that sometimes we experience in the church today where we'll pray for someone who seems to be against all odds that they will live and miraculously, in a sense, we use that word, they recover, right, outside of any medical means. It's not even like that. It's something more immediate and more powerful where Jesus comes to people, lays a hand on them, or speaks a word to them, and they are completely cleansed. And Jesus' popularity because of his teaching and because of his miraculous works is increasing. And the crowds are following him. And Simon, undoubtedly, notices that this is the same Jesus who is uh, preaching there along the shore. Now, uh, reading this story and thinking about it a little bit, seeing how it ends up, you kind of get the picture that Jesus is getting after Simon. In other words, he's going after Simon. I mean, it's no accident that Jesus comes to this specific part of the region, that Jesus draws the crowd uh, to the shore of Lake Gennesaret where Simon was fishing, that Jesus gets into Simon's boat and has Simon push it out a little bit so that then he can uh, preach 
from Simon's boat. Put it a little offshore so that the people can hear me teach, so that I can better speak to the crowd. I want Simon to be paying attention, especially to what I am saying. I, Jesus, am going after Simon in this story. You get that sense. He is after Peter, and then he does something spectacular. He does something absolutely spectacular. Verses 4 through 7. He finishes speaking and says to Simon, put out a little deeper and let down the nets for a catch. Now Simon is discouraged. He's tired. He's a smart fisherman. He knows better than the carpenter, than the rabbi, about whether or not there are any fish to be caught. But because of Jesus' popularity, because he has heard about the teaching that Jesus has been giving, and he has witnessed the powerful teaching and preaching of Jesus himself from his own boat, and he has heard that Jesus has done all kinds of miraculous works, demonstrating his power over nature, he says, look, I'm telling you there's no fish out there, but you've got enough credibility for me to say, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now there's no need to explain the obvious, is there? This is a miraculous catch of fish. There were not these fish in that lake that morning until Jesus commanded Simon to let down the nets in the deep. Here is one of Jesus' miraculous works. He commands nets to be let down in an empty lake, and when you bring those nets up, they are full of fish so that the nets are going to break. Fill the two fishing boats with this number of fish so that the, the boats themselves almost sink. More than even a regular large catch, you know, because the boats wouldn't have been designed to, when there was a large catch, not be able to hold them. So this is even a greater catch than a normal great catch. And Simon is a witness uh, to all of this. Now what's fascinating, and this is the center of this story, is how Peter, how Simon Peter responds to this miracle. This is the first place in the gospel that we see that Simon Peter gets it. He gets it when other people don't get it. How does he respond? Verse 8. When Simon Peter sees this, he falls at Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, what kind of response is that? I mean, if uh, you were a fisherman and uh, you were discouraged, and you knew that the uh, wealth of your family, the well-being of your community depended on whether or not you were catching fish, and you had been out all night and into the morning, and you had sat through now a sermon, and it was heating up in the middle of the day, and it is time for you to go home and look for work, and you would not be in the best of moods in that condition, and then all of a sudden, all of these fish were yours, your first response 
might be expected to be, wow, this is great. Look at all the fish. I mean, there are enough fish here for three days, four days, a week worth of a catch. And this Jesus chose me and my boat to come onto my boat and to work this miracle. And this is great because now I can uh, kind of harness his power and secure him to be on my side so that all of my bills will be met. I will not have to labor and slave like I have been doing all of my life. Isn't this fantastic? Well, even forget all of that. Let's just start the fire and cook these fish and have a feast and celebrate all of the wonderful things that we've seen. Can you believe it? We've never seen anything like this in Israel. But that's not what Peter says. And you know why he doesn't say that? Because he gets it. Peter says, go away from me. I am a sinful man. He gets it. He gets it that Jesus Christ has come as God in the flesh and that Peter recognizes that his miraculous works along with his piercing teaching is demonstration that he is divine, that he is holy, and Peter gets it that he is not holy, that he is in the presence of the one that he has been taught to fear from the time of his youth as a young Jewish boy. That when you come into relationship or contact with the Lord God of Israel, it is not a pleasant thing, but you are gripped by your own inadequacies and your own sinfulness. Peter is responding in the same way that Isaiah was responding when he was shown the vision. In the year that King Isaiah died, the prophet said, I saw the Lord, and he was seated on a throne, and he was high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were the seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. They were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I am ruined. Woe is me. Not, oh, this is great. I'm a prophet. I'm called up into the heavens. Look how favored I am to be in the presence of the Lord. He says, no, I get it who I am. When I'm in the presence of God, I recognize that I'm a sinful man. And this is the same thing that Peter says. Peter sees the Lord Almighty because he sees him bring about this catch of fish that cannot be done by anyone who does not have the power over nature, the one who has created that lake and creates the fish immediately that fill the empty lake. And Peter says what Isaiah says, I am ruined. Go away from me. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. I am a sinful man. When Peter comes into contact with the powerful teaching of Jesus and the miraculous works of Jesus, he does not run after the signs and get excited as if, uh, oh, now uh, I deserve the favor of this guy and he's going to do everything for me. He is completely humbled and convicted 
and recognizes that if the Lord Jesus does not get away from him, he is going to be destroyed. Now, some people never get this. Never. They talk about Jesus. They love all of the things that he promises to do for them. Uh, they like the feeling of acceptance that they get for maybe being part of a community of people that follow Jesus. Uh, they like all of the promises about, say, heaven. Uh, they like the comfort that they can receive from Jesus during the struggles of this life, but they never once stop to consider that in the presence of the Lord God Almighty, that they should be ruined, that they are sinful, and that the Lord does not tolerate sin. You know, he was, uh, last week, remember, he was preaching in the synagogue, and he was talking about how he was the fulfillment of all of these gracious uh, promises that God made. He talked about how he was going to give sight to the blind. He talked about how he was going to heal the sick. He talked about how he was going to take care of the consequences in the lives of criminals even, forgiving them for their sins and restoring them. He talked about how he would uh, comfort uh, those who were lost. And people loved to receive all of the blessings that he offered. But remember, he judged self-righteousness severely. And he made very clear that those blessings were not for anyone who thought that they in themselves deserved anything that he would give them. Simon Peter gets it. He gets it that he does not deserve to be in the boat with the Lord God of Israel come in the flesh. He gets it that the demonstration of his power in the first place drives him to his knees to recognize that he should already be destroyed by the one who's reaching out to him in mercy. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, along with uh, the other ones who are going to be called here, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. I do want to pause to remind you. Remember we said that Luke was writing... Uh, to us in order to assure us of the certainty of our faith. Uh, when Luke records these kinds of miracles, uh, he wants you to deal with the fact that they happened. Uh, you know, there are skeptics who will say, well, you know, it would be easier for me, right, when I hear about Isaiah being called up into the heavens. If I was called up into the heavens and uh, the Lord revealed himself in the way he did to Isaiah, then I would believe. And uh, I expect that there may be some of you who struggle with the idea of uh, maybe uh, doubting whether or not the scripture is true, or maybe you're exploring for yourself as a uh, younger person whether or not the God of your fathers will be your own God. And you say, well, yeah, I mean, it would be easy for me if I was called up into the heavens and uh, the Lord proved himself to me like he did to Isaiah that I would believe. Well, listen, uh, Luke has researched the story which he is writing, and this happened. There was a miraculous catch of fish, and you've got to deal with it. Uh, Peter, later in his life, Simon Peter, 
the one in this story, uh, says this in one of his letters, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Now in that passage, he's talking about a different event. He's talking about when uh, the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ that he witnessed. Uh, but here, uh, this idea also applies. You have an historic record before you. You are hearing it this morning that Jesus did prove himself to you as his fallen creature. He came to earth and put fish in a lake that were not there. Luke records this so that you will be sure that that which Jesus says and that which you hear preached uh, from the words of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit in the Scripture are true. It's almost needless to say that if this was a lie, if this was a made-up story, it would have been discredited. Certainly by Peter, a man who got along in the world. He had street knowledge. He wasn't an idiot. He wasn't easily duped. There were people all the time who could probably promise uh, these hard-working guys uh, get-rich-quick schemes and uh, all kinds of uh, fake things that would cause them to stop working so hard, but he wouldn't buy into that, and he did not. And he did not follow cleverly invented stories, but he was an eyewitness of this, and that eyewitness account is a testimony to you this morning that this is true. Uh, you don't need more evidence. You need to recognize that you are a sinful man or woman or young man or, or young woman and that you don't deserve the mercy of the Lord Jesus but He is graciously coming to you and calling you to follow Him. Uh, there's something else in this story that's counterintuitive, something else that you might not expect uh, because not only in this story is Jesus calling sinners to Himself revealing His glory to those who will fall on their face and say, have mercy on me. But also, He is appointing officers to begin the expansion of His kingdom. The fishing is beginning, if you will. It's counterintuitive, it's unexpected that Jesus would call fishermen to be the officers of His kingdom. I mean, it doesn't make sense that men who are rugged and men who are hard-working with their hands, men who are uneducated, and that isn't a, a shot at them. It just means they haven't gone to school. They haven't been trained uh, very thoroughly at all in the Old Testament Scriptures any more than anybody else going around in that time. Uh, these men are unlearned men. They're hard workers. They work with their hands. They're blue-collar. Why would Jesus call these men to become the theologians, in Peter's case, a guy who will write, by inspiration of the Spirit, some of the Scripture. You wouldn't expect that. You would expect him to go after the people like eventually he did with the Apostle Paul, one who was very uh, skillful in the Scripture already, very advanced in Judaism, uh, a student of ancient literature. Uh, he comes to simple fishermen, and he calls them to be apostles, He's calling Peter very clearly in this story, right? From now on you will catch men, verse 10. He calls them to this office, calls them to the beginnings of this office, to begin training them as he will walk around with them. You notice for the apostles, uh, they don't just have a normal calling 
uh, that every Christian would receive. Look in verse 11. They pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. Now, Jesus didn't command this of everybody. Uh, Jesus doesn't command that of everybody today. Uh, but to the apostles, he did. They had to leave everything that was theirs immediately and follow him. That is, spend their entire lives with him as long as he would walk the earth so that they, he could train them in order to what? To bring in the nations to his kingdom. He is appointing these officers. He is appointing these simple fishermen to confound the wisdom of all of the pagan world after he trains them up in the scripture and makes them learned in the truth, he will send them out to evangelize the nations. These simple fishermen who one day are out fishing and the next day are called to be the apostles of Christ's church and take the gospel to the nations where all the wise philosophers who have been studying for ages will be confounded by the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ coming from these fishermen. Remember, he has come, we've said this before, to take the kingdom from national Israel and give it to the multinational church, and he doesn't do it through the most proud and the most wise and the most trained, at least at this point, but he calls fishermen. And he will train them up to declare his glories to people who have never heard the name of Christ. Simon got it. A lot of people in our church culture today, Southern California, talk about uh, having a relationship with Jesus. As if, you know, having a relationship with Jesus is uh, the greatest thing since uh, sliced bread. You know, the problem is everybody already has a relationship with Jesus. And the relationship that we have with him is one of enemies. Of a people who cannot stand in the presence of God because he is holy by nature. Uh, the kind of relationship that we should have with Jesus is one that acknowledges that, uh, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man, and then hears from him, Verse 10, do not be afraid. Because Jesus never turns away anyone who acknowledges and recognizes that they don't deserve to be in his presence. That they don't deserve to have a relationship with him. In fact, what they deserve is to be condemned and to be judged immediately because of who they are and what they've done and the race, the human race to which they belong. If you get it, Jesus says to you also this morning, don't be afraid. This is why I've come. I have come for the rising of many in Israel. You will rise because I will die for you. You will rise because I live a perfect life of obedience for you. And uh, this morning, it's our prayer that we all get it that uh, we think of Jesus and we think, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, and then we receive his promise, don't be afraid. I receive you by my grace. And that is the true faith that Simon 
has and will proclaim to all the nations which has reached us. And uh, praise the Lord Jesus Christ for his mercy. And to that all God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your mercies in Christ. We thank you for your power which you have demonstrated to us. And uh, we confess that we are ruined and are unclean people that live among unclean people and that apart from your gracious word of don't be afraid, I have lived and died for you, we would have nothing. Thank you for meeting Simon Peter on the lakeshore there and calling him to faith in you and then uh, charging him and the other apostles there uh, to go with you and be trained by you. Thank you that they followed you as you kept them. Thank you that you trained them in righteousness. Thank you that their message has gone out to the ends of the earth and that we here, thousands of miles away and a couple of thousand years away from that, have received and believed that message by your grace. And we confess with Peter, go away from me for we are simple, but we also hear and receive your promise, don't be afraid. And thank you for your blood, and thank you for your life. And would we always get it, and never be plagued by self-righteousness, which keeps us from you. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. Number 400.